I have a very burdened heart as I try to preach this morning because the subject is such an awful subject. The subject announced in the bulletin, the tragedy of hell and a wasted life. The tragedy of hell and a wasted life. Turn your Bible, please, to two passages of Scripture, Psalm 917 and Luke chapter 16. Psalm 917 and Luke chapter 16. May we pray together. Our Father, we ask you to speak to our hearts of the reality of this awful doctrine that you told us about in the Bible. Father, we pray that Thou wilt stir our hearts to care about the unsaved and examine our own hearts to be sure that not one of us in this room will be lost forever. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. In Psalm 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. And in Luke 16, beginning with verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his feet at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good th th things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren. They may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto, them, unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. We're talking about the subject of hell. 
And that's a hard subject. Most of the time, the only time people even hear that word is in profanity. And more and more by radio and television, people have lost all reserve about their vocabulary. And they'll say, hell this and hell that and all that kind of thing. They have no idea about the reality of hell. They're just using it as a byword. Beloved, hell is more than a byword. The Bible says hell is real. If we're going to believe any of the Bible, we need to believe all of the Bible. If we believe what the Old Testament said about the birthplace of Jesus, that he would be born in Bethlehem, and it came to pass, why should we not believe the Word of God when it says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God? Now, hell is a Bible doctrine that is very, 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 very hard to preach on. It stirs my emotions to their depths. There's some questions people ask. Is hell real? Is there recognition in hell? Is there any escape from hell? When once a man goes to hell, can he ever get out? One group of Christians, in order to make some kind of hope out of the awful doctrine of hell, have sidetracked the doctrine and called it purgatory. And they say that person who leaves this world with some sin in his life goes to purgatory and pays for that there. And if you say enough prayers for that person, he can get out of purgatory and go to heaven. What does the Bible say about that? It ain't even mentioned in the Bible, not even referred to, not a faint glimpse of it. When does hell begin? Does it ever end? Well, I want to tell you, the Bible says that hell is as certain as heaven. It's just as real a place as the place we're in right now. Hell is real. Jesus said more about hell than he did about heaven. And he warned over and over and over again concerning the awfulness of being lost and spending eternity in hell. Hell is a place of punishment for those who reject God's only remedy for sin, the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus called hell the lake of fire, the abode of the damned. He who came to seek and to save that which was lost, warned of punishment for the wicked in these words, everlasting fire, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, where their worm dieth not and their fire is not quenched. There are three words in the English Bible that we have to deal with when we think of hell. Number one is Hades, the temporary abode of the dead in the Old Testament before the resurrection of Jesus from the, from, and, he, and his ascension. And the temporary abode of the wicked dead after Christ's resurrection until the judgment of the great white throne. 
So when you have a Bible, like the American Standard Version, or a New English Version, or the NIV, and the other Bibles like that, and they translate the word hell as Hades, they're using a word that speaks of the temporary abode of the dead in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, those who die without God, and they go to Hades. But it's only there in the, in the Old Testament, Hades and Sheol and those other words were used to refer to the realm of the dead. But the realm of the dead was divided into two divisions. One was paradise and the other is the, is the awful abyss or the lake of fire the, or, or hell. And when a saved person died, like Abraham, he was gathered to his fathers, he went to paradise. When a wicked man died, he went to the realm of the wicked dead. And when Jesus died on the cross, he went to paradise and vindicated the faith of the faithful and led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men and paradise was transferred to where Jesus is now in heaven. The other word is Tartarus. In 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4, it's the abode of the fallen angels, a temporary prison house until the great white throne judgment. Gehenna of fire is the final abode of the wicked. It's called the lake of fire. It's used 12 times in the New Testament, 11 times by Jesus himself, and one time by James. It is the awful place. And Jesus used the term Gehenna of fire, speaking of what everybody in his day was familiar with. Right outside Jerusalem was a valley called the Valley of Hinnom, or Gehenna. And that fire burned all the time. <clears throat> in the Old Testament, people would throw their little babies in there to the god of Moloch. During the New Testament time, it was a garbage heap. And they would throw their garbage into the Gehenna. And it would burn night and day. It never went out. It was always burning. And Jesus said, that's what hell is like. Now, as we think about this, I want to speak to you concerning what the Bible says about hell. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. In John 3, 18, Jesus said, He that believeth not is condemned already. In John 3, 36, The wrath of God abideth, present tense, on him. If you're in this room today and you've never been saved, or if you're a church member and you think you were saved, but you're way out of the will of God and you have no concern in your heart, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. It may be that you're a church member on your way to hell. Only those who have been bought by the price of the blood of Jesus Christ and have received Christ as Savior, they're the ones that are on their way to heaven. The rest of the world lost, undone, without God. And the amazing thing is that God would save any of us. None of us deserve salvation. We all deserve hell. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, carrion, corrupt flesh. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. There are several things that I will mention that the Bible says about hell. Number one, God is sovereign in this universe. Look in your Bible to Revelation chapter 19, verse 6. 
And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. God is sovereign in this universe. He's in charge. He puts up down one, lifts up another. God is completely in charge. Then there's a second thing. The Bible says that hell is real. It was made for the devil and his angels in Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say also unto them on his left hand, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell is real. Thirdly, hell is eternal. Look in Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 44. Mark chapter 9. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and their fire is not quenched. Death would be a relief from hell, but there's no escape from hell. Fourthly, look in Matthew 22:13. Hell is banishment from God. In Matthew 22, verse 14, listen to the word of God. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him to outer darkness. There shall be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. Hell is a banishment from God. Fifthly, look in chapter Luke, Luke chapter 16, verse 22. Hell is a suffering fire. Listen to these words. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes being in torment and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Now I want to show you something. I want to complete something I started last Sunday. Those of you who are listening by radio, I'm placing a candle on the pulpit and I'm lighting that candle. And that candle symbolizes fire. It is fire. It is real fire. Now, I want to show you how the fire of hell is different from the fire we know now. This is a $50 bill, it's worth nothing. But if I ignite that, look at here, what's gonna to happen to it? It's gonna burn up. But you watch now. It's gone. And that's what happens right now. Your house catches on fire, it burns to the ground. After a while, it goes out. Ashes are just ashes left. You uh, put something in the fire and uh, it burns up. The only fire we're acquainted with is that which consumes. Last Sunday, I used this little sparkler. Now, this sparkler is wasted. It represents the soul that dies without Christ, a wasted life, a wasted eternity. 
I put that in the fire. And what happens to it? It gets so hot. If I'd asked Dean to come up here and touch it, he'd say, no, I don't want to touch it. It's, it's too hot. See? It's too hot. But does it burn up? No, it's never consumed. It just gets hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. And it's in the flames. But it never consumes. Beloved, that's what hell is like. Somebody said, is the hell, is the fire of hell real? It's different from what we know here. The fire we know here consumes. It burns your house down. It burns the garbage up. It, can, it burns papers. It, it, it destroys. But the fire of hell burns on and on and on. And if you have wasted your life and you've said no to God, I don't want God's remedy for sin. I'm not going to repent of my sin. I'm not going to turn away from my sin. I'm going on and on in it. You'll be in hell forever. But you'll never be consumed. That's the reason the man in hell cried out, Father Abraham, I'm tormented in these flames. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormented in these flames. Friend, if you're on your way to hell today and your heart quits beating and you spend out, go out into eternity, you're going out into hell. Never again we have a second chance. There's no other chance. There's no other opportunity. If you reject God's only remedy for sin, there's no other way to get to heaven. You'll spend eternity separated from God. Hell is filled with the most motley crew ever assembled. Look in your Bible to Revelation 21, verse 8. In Revelation 21, verse 8, listen to this. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Hell is filled with the most motley crowd ever assembled. You don't like to be around people like that now. You want to do everything you can to keep yourself in good company. Beloved, in hell, that's the only crowd you'll have. And you'll be with them forever and forever. In Luke 16, 25, but Abraham said, son, remember, hell is a terrible place of memory. You'll remember this service. You'll remember this sermon. You'll remember people that came and knocked on your door and tried to retrieve you and draw you back to the Lord. You'll remember all that, but it will be too late and forever and forever. You'll remember it will all be gone. I found these words. Talleyrand said, I am suffering the pangs of the damned. Altamont said, hell is a refuge if it hide me from the frown of God. Charter said, I would gladly give 30,000 pounds to have it proven to me there is no hell. Maribor said, give me 
more drugs than I may not think of eternity. Hobbes the atheist said, I am taking a fearful leap into the dark. Voltaire, I am abandoned, abandoned by God and man. I shall go to hell. Oh Christ, oh Jesus Christ. Cromwell said, the devil is already ready to seduce me and I have been seduced. Caesar said, when I lived, I provided for everything but death. Now I must die and I am impoverished to die. Charles IX, King of France, what blood, what murders, what evil counsels have I followed? I am lost, I see it well, I'll go to hell. Now Bible the Bible tells us the way not to go to hell. And I want to present that to you. If you open your Bible to Mark, to Matthew chapter 13, rather, rather Matthew 7. These are the words of Jesus. Beginning in verse 13, he said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The way to heaven is a narrow way. It begins by repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've come short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death, separation from God forever. Every one of us deserves that. There's no exception. But God in His mercy sent the Lord Jesus to die on a cross. The old rugged cross made the difference. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And it was on that old cross that the dearest and blessed and died for our sins. He died in our place. Over there is, the, is destruction. And we're on a broad road that leads down, down, down to destruction and a wasted life. Over here is the cross, heaven. And right in the middle of that broad way, there's a narrow road that leads over to that life. And during life, we're on a broad road going to hell. We don't have to do anything to get on that road. We were born on it. We came to the age of accountability. Nobody had to teach us to sin. We had a nature that wanted to sin. And we were going down the broad road. And then somebody, maybe a Sunday school teacher, maybe a mother, maybe a daddy, maybe a friend, somebody came and said, would you come to Christ? Jesus died for you. Maybe they gave you a gospel track. Maybe they invited you to Sunday school. Maybe they invited you to church. And somewhere you learned that Christ died for you in your place. And the moment you were willing to confess Christ, renounce sin, turn away from the devil, turn away from hell, turn away from yourself, make an about face, repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus, you got on a new road that leads home to heaven. Are you on that road today? Have you put your trust and faith in Christ? If you have, He is your Savior, and we rejoice. If, you have not, if you've never done that, then the Bible gives you an open invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly. You shall find rest unto your souls. Let's bow together in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment.
how many of us can say, <clears throat> by the grace of God, I have for been forgiven of my sins. I've been to Calvary. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has been applied to my soul. I'm saved. Would you lift your hand if you know that's true? Thank you, hands down. Their eyes still closed in prayer. I wonder if there's somebody here today who would... I don't think I've ever been saved. I would like to be a Christian. I don't want to be lost. Pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up and hold it a moment and take it back down? I've never been saved. Never have been saved. But I would like to be. I need to be a Christian. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up and hold it and then take it back down? Anyone here? Now I wonder if, how many of us in this room know of somebody as far as you know, they've never been saved. They're on their way to hell. Maybe it's a mother, a daddy, a son, or daughter, a friend, a neighbor, somebody. And you're concerned about that one. Would you lift your hand in concern for that soul? You know somebody who is lost. God bless you. Our Father, almost everybody in this room says, I'm saved on my way to heaven. I pray that you'll touch those who have listened by radio. And if there's one person within the sound of this service who has never been saved, if he died, he'd go to hell. May the Lord touch that heart and draw him to Jesus. Have thy way, Father. And we pray that the many who lifted their hands saying, I know somebody who was lost, they're on their way to hell. Lord, give us the kind of concern and compassion that will lead us out to try to bring them to Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's stand, please. Turn to number 312. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Will you come to Jesus this morning? There's some who could not lift your hand while ago. You don't know for sure you've been born again. You don't know you've been saved. I want to ask you to come just as you are. Don't try to get better. Don't try to clean your life up first. Just come like you are. He'll save you. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. Would you come? And if God has stirred your heart about somebody who is lost, they need Jesus. Would you come just to take a stand and say, I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to do my best to witness to that person. I'm going to do everything I can to win him to Christ. Maybe God has stirred your heart like that. While we sing, we step out for Christ. God help you.